Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Bianca Chan, the news editor at Bank Innovation, and I'm joined here uh, by my colleagues, Rick Morgan, the associate editor at Bank Innovation, and Rodrigo Suarez, who is the principal at our um, sister accelerator, IMB Fintech. This is the weekly wrap for the week ending April 10th. And um, seems like there's still lots to talk about the Paycheck Protection Program. This week, we dived into the role that fintechs are playing. Uh, the core technology providers and other vendors are stepping up to the plate, standing up you know, white label solutions so that banks and other lenders can basically uh, streamline their deployment of these platforms. Because as we heard last week, um, there was kind of a, a bit of a scramble, a little bit of a rocky rollout, you could say, um, on Friday, the first day that the program launched. Some analysts are saying that this could be FinTech's big moment, um, but things got a little more interesting when the government on Wednesday evening allowed non-banks to participate in the disbursement of these loans. Um, so that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Rick, why don't you give us a little rundown on some of the big stories that you covered this week? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it was a really busy week, obviously. Um, SBA has really kind of, uh, the, the SBA program has really sort of been the focus from everyone. Um, we talked to a lot of VC firms um, and how some of their portfolio companies are being somewhat excluded from the uh, SBA program just because there's this affiliate rule where if you have an investor on your board and that investor is associated with a bunch of other companies, um, they are you know, easily over the quote unquote 500, you know, limit, 500 person limit, even if their company itself doesn't have 500 people. So um, it makes for a lot of these startups sort of unable to participate in the, the SBA programs. And so we talked to some VC firms about what they were doing to sort of um, work with the government on that front. Uh, we also talked to a lot of banks about how they're tweaking their customer service channels uh, to better accommodate um, small business clients as they sort of navigate this um, and we also talked to uh, a lot of challenger banks, um, not so much about the SBA program, but about um, how they're using educational terms, to, uh, educational tools rather, to deal with the massive influx of people applying for unemployment benefits because, you know, it's new territory for a lot of people and a lot of customers of theirs. So um, they're just trying to help them sort of navigate that process as best as possible. You know, they are, this is a, um, a subset of companies that really pride themselves on helping customers who live paycheck to paycheck. So uh, this is kind of a time for them to really um, deliver on that, that promise. Um, we also saw some other sort of more, um, you know, industry news just in general, not so much with uh, coronavirus, but with um, SoFi acquiring Galileo for, I believe it was $1.2 billion. Uh, Rodrigo, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. It was a pretty, pretty big ticket item there in the middle of the week that we didn't see coming, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, from what I heard, you know, discussions were already underway, um, you know, from a while uh, back. Uh, it's an interesting um, play uh, for SoFi, I think, and there are a number of interesting implications around it, given that, you know, Galileo also works with Chime, Varro, uh, TransferWise, and, and others. So, um, you know, there's a potential conflict of interest, but maybe you know, also an opportunity for, you know, maybe SoFi white labeling some of their products and offering them to other uh, fintechs through Galileo. Um, what I've heard is that the companies are supposed to work um, independently, uh, but we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. And I guess another 
you know, major M&A item this year for uh, fintech. Uh, so even, you know, with the crisis and the pandemic happening, you know, we're seeing uh, this uh, trend around M&A in the space continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see kind of like, I mean, to circle back to the SBA PPP, since that's um, what I've been talking about all week. <laughs> uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of what fintechs and non-banks can continue to bring to the entire, you know, rollout and disbursement of these loans. Rodrigo, what sort of advantages do you see non-banks who now get to participate um, bring to the table, basically, that maybe the traditional big banks weren't able to really get to? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a number of advantages that, that fintech players uh, will have around the, you know, SBA BBP program. Uh, last time I read, I think around $125 billion have already been approved. So, so frankly, banks, you know, are doing reasonably well um, a week after the program was uh, launched. Uh, but I think, you know, there are a number of pieces where fintechs can play an important role. One is, you know, of course, streamlining that application process. Uh, but, you know, the forgiveness component will also be very tricky. Um, because businesses will have to prove that they use the funds for uh, payroll purposes, et cetera. Um, and fintechs that, um, you know, find ways to uh, streamline, automate that process to a certain extent uh, by, for example, pulling payroll uh, data via APIs and, um, you know, making a process that would otherwise be very manual um, data-driven, I think, will will play an, an important role. Um, and I think um, we have also heard a little bit about, you know, the KYC piece, uh, where some banks are only targeting their existing customers because the, the KYC, um, you know, component of this is, is tricky and, um, you know, lengthy. Uh, so I know there are some fintechs. I was reading Aloy is positioning itself to uh, to provide support with this KYC element. And fintech lenders, um, I think, you know, are faster in adopting, you know, solutions from other fintech players like Aloy. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll see, we'll see uh, you know, an improved experience for businesses that want funds dispersed quickly and then they want to also, um, you know, make sure that the loan is forgiven if they, um, you know, meet those requirements. Right, right. Even though it seems like the SBA loans are finally, you know, getting funded, there are still a few un unanswered questions, as you mentioned. And I think the monitoring of the usage of these loans is, uh, frankly, a, a question that's still unanswered at a lot of banks, um, at least the ones that Rick and I spoke to this morning. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out and, and how banks figure it out. I think they might have some time, maybe still. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's... yeah. I was just gonna add quickly. Uh, sorry for interrupting. No, I was fine. just gonna add. Yeah, I think that's like a, an important um, thing to think about. And like you know, even the actual disbursement, right? From what I've seen, um, you know, loans have been approved, but I'm not sure if the funds have actually been dispersed yet. I think there are still maybe a lack of uh, clarity around the closing process, uh, which hopefully will be resolved soon as well. 
Yeah, I've heard that as well, actually, Rodrigo, that, that they're hoping to get the funds out soon. Right now, they're just like basically processing the applications, but actually getting the money into the pockets of small businesses is still kind of uh, being figured out right now. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch and some things we can you know look forward to next year, uh, I think would be, I mean, not next year, sorry, next week as we continue to cover this is... Um, hopefully not next year. Yeah, hopefully not next year, hopefully it's faster than that, but... Uh, <laughs> Next week, I think, um, you know, will be how do we, yeah, like Bianca was saying, how do we uh, monitor how they're using these funds? Um, so banks kind of need to keep an eye on that because, you know, the, how the bank, how the small business uses those funds affects whether or not it becomes a grant or not. Um, so it's not like uh, it, this is an important thing that they need to keep an eye on to decide whether or not the loan is going to be forgiven. Um, so that'll be interesting to keep an eye on as well as. Um, how are they handling the volume? And like you were saying, Rodrigo, about the KYC stuff, um, you know, are they going to start to accept non-existing customers in order? Because there's a lot of small businesses that might not have a banking relationship that now really need this funding. So it could be a good opportunity to gain new customers if you can navigate all that KYC um, to gain new clients that, that are scrambling for a banking relationship right now. So I think there are some fintechs out there that are trying to do that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if that changes at all and if, if people try to um, sort of handle that, that KYC stuff. Well, yeah, thank agreed. Thank you so much. And uh, I think that's, that's it for our weekly wrap. I'd like to thank everyone for, for participating and for uh, joining us this Friday. Uh, Great. Well, next time. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, next thank time. You. Thanks, guys. Bye.